Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Referee Michael Ian Temple. And I am the Ravishing One. Welcome to episode 102, Fall Brawl 1993. One will rise. And one will fall. Who's going to rise? Who knows? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Chain, ravishing one. The ravishing will, will, uh, will most definitely rise. And hopefully this one doesn't beat us too hard into the mat. <sighs> we can hope. We can only hope. This was the inaugural Fall Brawl produced by WCW. Yes, they have used the name before, but it was a Clash of the Champions. So this is the inaugural pay-per-view mm-hmm. that uses the right. name. Right. It would take place on September 19th, 1993 at the Astro Arena in Houston, Texas, with an attendance of 6,000 people. Hey, moving on up. We'll, we'll see the crowd. Tony tells us early on that they're probably going to have to turn away 2,000 people, but there are some Ooh. empty seats from the beginning of the show to the end. I, I feel like I could probably still go get tickets for yeah, the From show. the yeah, rise of the opening to the last pinfall, there are open seats, Tony. You were probably asked to say that, but when it's this glaring, the yeah. obvious. Yeah. So we're in Houston, Texas. That's a, that's a new place for us, isn't it? I believe so. Uh-huh. Astro right. Arena, right next to the... Astrodome. The, what's the other thing? Astro World? Probably know. still open at this time. It's like a theme park. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I was gonna, trying to think of a, of a Travis Scott-themed um, name, but Travis Scott doesn't have nicknames. He's just Travis Scott, I think. Yeah, I couldn't help you with that. I don't His know last what... album was called Astro World. Gotcha. I don't know much about Travis rapper. Scott other yeah. than didn't he have like a burger at McDonald's or something like that? Mm, I think there was a thing, the Travis Scott meal. Yeah. I don't know what it was. A cheeseburger probably? Who knows? Weird. I guess I'm the young one <laughs> out here listening to hip hop. True. <laughs> but yes, we are in Houston, which means that I don't have to search through Pennsylvania or Georgia or the usual suspects for places to go. Or food to create, I should say. But yeah, I uh, searched along the uh, the interwebs to find out what food is Houston popular for. And there is not just one thing. There's just all kinds of a mixture of Asian food and barbecue. And the thing that caught my eye because I'm a Mexican food fan is the uh, breakfast tacos. And it reminded me of when I went to Austin and I was on the search for the perfect breakfast taco. They have great breakfast tacos they in do. Austin. The two times I've been to Austin, I never breakfast taco. Well, you missed out yes. on an experience. Yeah, I'm sure I, I'll be I back in Austin at some point. Yeah, when live music comes back, I'll definitely get down to Austin again because living in Oklahoma, there's less of a chance for weird bands that I like to play here. So that's normally <laughs> what brings me down to Austin is things like that. 
Yeah, I I went on a search for the best breakfast taco. Then I had a fish taco, so I went on the search for the best fish taco. And because of all the food trucks that they had down there, it was just uh, an overload of... A plethora of yes, choices. Mm-hmm. A plethora. So I went the, uh, the taco route. Uh, one of the places that I found while I was in Austin is a Texas original, which has now expanded uh, to Oklahoma and other places. Torchy's Tacos. I decided to go with their uh, taco of the month because they, they switch it out monthly to some new fancy, luxurious, over-the-top selection of ingredients. And uh, they did not fail to deliver this time. Their taco of the month is known as the Fancy Schmancy. It is definitely that. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's not a breakfast taco. It's more of a a brunch taco because, you know me, I like to go a little extra. And brunch is one of my favorite things. So the Fancy Schmancy is a, a flour tortilla that is stuffed with some hot smoked spinach, scrambled eggs, fresh spinach... I said hot smoked spinach, hot smoked salmon. There we go. Uh, Scrambled eggs, fresh spinach, capers, pickled onions, and jalapenos uh, with some fresh dill and herb cream cheese. And uh, yeah, it's like a a bagels and locks just inside of a a tortilla instead, minus the bagel. That is really... Add an egg, yeah. Add an egg, yeah. That is like a very good description. Definitely. And uh, and instead of it being, you know, cold like a bagel and locks, it's... uh, you know, so it's, it's all warmed up and pretty fucking delicious. It's pretty damn tasty. Yeah, I, I love me some torchies anyways. Their uh, trailer park taco, served trashy style, is the uh, the way to go. Hillbilly style. Is it? No. <clears throat> That's trashy, not queso. Trashy's on the menu. Hillbilly is on the secret menu. Ah, okay. Well, while we are still stuffing our face with, with these delicious tacos... Something that would happen right around the same time as Fall Brawl 93. Dream Lover by Mariah Carey would be in the midst of an eight-week run at number one. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Oh, thank you. The, the music. Yeah, what I can't good, sing what a, it, so I have to whistle it. What a it. good whistle. People say it's hard to talk with their mask on. I can whistle in mine. Oh, Yeah. Shane the cat caller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mariah. I mean, Ew. yeah, like an uh, um, unavoidable breakout star of the 90s. And for me, these early hits are the ones that I enjoy the most. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like on the cusp. It's like a right outside of the same format as like kind of 80s pop music. But... The production takes away some of that like harsh 80s edge of those kind of drum beats. So the beats become more smooth. And this is what it kind of ends up turning into the pop music of like the mid to late 90s with your like Britney Spears and stuff like that, where the production is, it doesn't sound, you know, the, the it's not quite the like harsher sounds of, of like a Tiffany or Madonna yeah. song musically. Granted, none of these songs are harsh this is not like noise metal <laughs> these are all uh, beautiful and catchy songs but this early mariah carey stuff is where it's at for me in her catalog i was a big fan i do believe i owned this cd back in the day 
Yeah, I mean, you couldn't go wrong with Mariah. You had Mariah and Whitney Houston that were battling for yeah pop supremacy. Whitney had to start, but Mariah Carey does the... She's got that range mm-hmm. that was that she's so famous for. When I was a kid, my like best friend's mom was like a diehard Mariah Carey fan. <laughs> so like it was just always on when I was uh, hanging out with him. She was in love with Mariah Carey, and a lot of the world was for good reason. This song, like how many? I'm sure that a lot of the singles off this album probably had a number one, you know, Billboard run. Yeah, I'm trying to. See what else was on this album. No, Hero was on this album. See that one was one of my favorites. This, this one doesn't have Always Be My Baby on it. That's I my think fucking so. jam. I, th- I think Always Be My Baby was on the one before this one. Oh, and this really? one has Dream Lover, Hero, Anytime You Need a Friend, Without You. That was another big one. See, I don't think I. Re- I mean, I knew of Mariah Carey. Obviously, I heard Dream Lover, Always Be My Baby, Hero. We actually did Hero and junior high choir so probably oh, really? like when this song came out was probably right around the time that we were singing <laughs> it so it was you know hugely popular and but then her next album is actually when i really got into Mariah because she started infusing some hip-hop beats more into her music you know especially with odb with fantasy with you know yeah odb like i think that's one of the first singles that I ever bought. Casingle or Cassingle? Cassingles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love a cardboard sheet. Or like <laughs> like the yeah, the cardboard J card or whatever as opposed to the plastic. I was a big fan of Cassingles back then. Yeah. They're pretty cool. Mariah Carey's pretty cool. It's like literally like every time the name Mariah comes up, I just the whole ODB <laughs> rap at the beginning of the remix like goes through my head. Yeah, I always make this joke anytime uh, I get the opportunity to say one sweet day and then I'll say follow it up with one sweet day boys to men featuring Mariah Carey <laughs> and everybody just looks at me and has no idea what I'm talking about but anytime I have the opportunity to say one sweet day yeah. uh, that is a joke that I will give to you if you'd like to use it. That's another great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grammy 1995 nominee CD sampler. I had that <laughs> and it was on there. Wait, is that the TLC one that Waterfalls? Sean Colvin, um, Sunny Came Home. It might have. I know it had. Uh, it had Joan Osborne. What if God was one of us? Yep, that's uh, the same one. Yeah, yeah. I have that CD Jewel. somewhere. Yes, great yeah, year I've got for that CD too, uh, I was working at those at the weird. Time. Yeah, great, great CD. Of my <laughs> well, let's find out if Fall Brawl can be as great as that sampler CD. Maybe one sweet day. Or as good as this taco. Boys to Men featuring Mariah Carey. Yep, 1995 Grammy nominee sampler CD. <laughs> We're in a loop. We're in a loop. <laughs> so a video package starts us off on the show. Summer has turned to fall with black and white shots of a 50s family life. The children are back in class and mom and dad have returned to their peaceful way of life. We've never seen an intro like this from WCW. No. no. It's pretty crazy. We get shots of a high school yearbook, mom doing laundry, dad barbecuing, but all is not well at this hour with a clock image over an image of the earth. An explosion and a shot of a NASA rocket taking off. We're in Houston, baby. WCW is invading Houston, Texas. We get a map of Texas with an oil derrick and some dice rolled. You'll see three title matches. 
and it starts listing the matches before we get the Fall Brawl War Games logo, all with a tank cannon firing a shot. Oh yeah, I love the tank and the Fall Brawl logo. We get the purple and yellow this time instead of the green yellow. Not nearly as nice of a color palette. Nope. Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show along with Jesse the Body Ventura before sending it to Eric Bischoff, who doesn't really have anything to add. Well, they, they cover some matches, and we already get some Shockmaster jokes. Right off the top. Poor guy. How dare they? Are they shocking? <laughs> Are you shocked? So we get our first match. Lord Steven Regal with Sir William versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in a WCW World television championship match i it's like this is how you want a show to start but i'm like ricky deserves a little bit more than first match <laughs> at this point in his career but i'm here for it i'll take it oh easily we don't always we don't get things like this very often no you get two seasoned professionals like steve regal and ricky steamboat in the same ring and well, I see Stay here the dark, the dark match was uh, Eric Watts <laughs> defeating Bobby Eaton, which would have broke my heart. So I'm yeah. glad that didn't start it, because I would have shed tears as I watched Bobby Eaton tap out to Eric Watts. Poor Bobby. So Michael Buffer is our special ring announcer, and will be for all three title matches. And since it's War Games, we have two rings. And we'll be flip-flopping between the two rings. But A thing that I think does not do service to any crowd. No. And, no, I, th- and no. I, think that it, I think that it does hurt some of the crowd interaction on this show throughout. Ricky's ribs were all taped up, and Tony lets us know that he was beaten up the day before by Regal with Sir William's umbrella. So I bet we're going to see some... Uh, Working of those ribs. Oh, I'd imagine so. It'd be crazy for it not to happen. This is, I believe Tony lets us know that this show is, uh, quote-unquote, sold out. <laughs> Steamboat attacks from behind before the bell, chopping away, slamming Lord Stephen's head into the turnbuckle. All Regal continuously forearms the dragon's ribs until Ricky tosses Stephen over the ropes to the rampway. More chops and then tosses him back in and goes up top for a flying judo chop. Regal goes right back to work on the ribs when Steamboat hits an arm twist crescent kick to slow the momentum. The dragon begins to work Lord Steven's arm with a hammerlock on the mat. But every time he moves, the rib injury slows Ricky down to the point that Regal is able to elbow out. Got we've already already into it with the good shit. Yep. Steamboat plays possum after being knocked out only to surprise Steven with a short-arm scissors takedown before going back to the hammerlock, only to be tossed away, hitting a crossbody for a two-count. And this is where I get pretty upset with a Steamboat Sucks chant. (laughs) What the fuck, guys? I'm disappointed in you, Houston. The dragon goes back to the short-arm scissor when Regal tries to power out, only for Ricky to use his momentum to roll them back over into the hold. Lord Stephen makes it to the ropes to break the hold, and then dumps Steamboat out to the floor. The dragon races back in, only to receive a back body drop, allowing Regal to go back to work on the ribs, following up with a somersault senton and a crossface, while grinding the knee into the ribs. Gotta grind that knee. 
Lord Stephen with a chin lock. But Ricky lifts Regal up onto the shoulders for an electric chair drop. Goes for a splash, only for Stephen to get his knees up. Regal then applies a Canadian backbreaker before turning it into a surfboard, stretching those ribs. It looks like it hurts, guys. Lord Stephen rips the tape off the ribs before delivering a butterfly suplex for a two count. Now those ribs are really messed up. Oh, yeah. The dragon begins to fire up, catapulting Regal into a corner, goes for a body slam, but the ribs give, and Steven falls on top for a near fall. Ricky does a great job of, like, selling the ribs, and then also, like, having the, like, anger to push through, as opposed, like, it doesn't feel like he's no-selling it when he does stuff. No. And, you know, want to shout out one of the best. Regal with a body slam and goes for a tombstone pile driver, but Ricky reverses it into one of his own for a two count. Steamboat's thrown into the corner, ribs first, and Lord Steven goes for a backdrop, only for the dragon to flip out and get an O'Connor roll for a two count, followed by multiple double chops and an inside cradle for a near fall. Regal then telegraphs a back body drop, so Ricky hits a vertical suplex, but only a two count. Since his ribs are hurting, he like can't make the cover. No, of course right. not. All the power that it took for him to lift him up. Steamboat then goes up top, hitting a flying body press. But his momentum sends him rolling right off Lord Steven. So he's only able to get two once he's able to make the cover. <sighs> Regal throws Dragon over the ropes, where he goes to skin the cat. But right as he is back in the ring, Sir William hits him over the head with the umbrella. Ricky then stumbles backwards into a bridging German suplex. No. For the pin and, and the win. win. The only complaint here is that Ricky even went for skinning the cat with the rib issue. That's I know that it's a, a reflex. Yeah. It's, it's part of your move moveset, but man, maybe if you didn't do that, know your limits. you could have pulled it out. But this would make Lord Steven Regal and new. World television champion. Hell yeah. Weird crowd. This crowd is weird. Yes. Okay. Probably going to say that a lot throughout the show. <laughs> Probably. Maybe they're the ones to rise and fall. <laughs> they do at weird times, which is why they're weird. We then go to the stage, and Eric Bischoff is there with the Nasty Boys. They're back. And we haven't seen them since the Royal Rumble 1993, which was episode 86. Dang. And they tell us that they have a big secret... And not only do they have a secret, but they're going to hit a bulldog off the top rope to win the titles. Don't let everybody know. Don't let the, don't let the, don't let the other team know. This, their promo is really good. Yeah, they look better here than I've remembered them yeah. in quite a while. I was impressed with the like clarity and energy of the promo. Yeah. It was good. We then get our second match. Big Sky. Who? Versus Charlie Norris. So we have actually seen Big Sky before. He was woman's bodyguard all the way back at Starcade 1989, episode 37. Dang, dog. But he's better known as the actor who plays Sabretooth in the X-Men movies or Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie versions of Halloween. Now we're talking... Wasn't Ray Donovan the guy that played her? What's what? Uh, Leaf Garrett. 
Uh, what's that guy's name? <laughs> Leif Schreiber. Leif, yeah, isn't isn't he Sabretooth? Or that's the Wolverine movies? He's in the Wolverine movies. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. In the early Saber... Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah. Like the one, two, threes. Like, Observation here. Not Halloween. Big Sky should be named Charlie Norris. Charlie Norris? His name should be Big Sky. This is this is a, a glaring misstep uh, in naming these characters, as Charlie Norris is basically a dime store to Tonka, which is a very rude thing to say. But Big Sky don't has more that. Nat- I wrote discount to Tonka. Yeah, yeah Native American, um, like Big Sky is a Native American sounding name. But what's even funnier, uh, Chuck what? and Ch- Charlie Norris sounds like Chuck Norris, and you know who kind of looks like Chuck Norris's ass? This guy over here named Big Sky. <laughs> And what's even funnier about Charlie Norris being discount Tatanka is that the, the WWF actually were decided they decided on Tatanka instead of him Good to choice. go to go with the Native American gimmick that they wanted. To well, do. they like this guy can't even do the like like Native American dance. No, worth a shit. And Tatanka's like it's silly when he does it, but at least it looks good. This guy just looks like a, he learned how to walk yesterday. Yeah. He looks like he's you know, tripping on peyote, just kind of stumbling around. And he doesn't have a... He's not particularly fit. Not compared <laughs> to Big Sky, and definitely not compared to, you know, Tatanka. Yeah, it's like if you... How, put, do this, how is this guy getting paid? Put the one, this two, guy should be an ECW and... show. <laughs> <laughs> send, send Charlie Norris to, to go get his head cut open by I need Charlie Norris and Wild Man Sal Balama to team up. <laughs> um, even Balama won me over a little bit. I don't know if I'll ever see Charlie Norris again. <laughs> Who knows? This show does weird things to you. Yeah. <laughs> so the two lock up with neither gaining an advantage until Sky begins working the arm. When Norris hits a chop and works the arm himself. We want Flair Chance breakout as the action isn't as entertaining as the crowd wants. Oh, yes. They before, say we want Flair. Before I... turning into boring Chance. Oh, yes. Where Very I'm thinking quickly. immediately, as soon as as soon as it starts, I say this better be six minutes or less. Big Sky with a kick to the face to break the hold, but gets sent to the corner, only for Charlie to run into a big boot. Big boot from Big Sky. Mm. Sky misses a back elbow, but then hits a choke slam, a body slam, and a leg drop before going to chokes instead of a cover. Sky looks like fucking Razor Ramon compared to <laughs> old. Charlie N over here. Another body slam and comes off the second rope with a knee drop, only for Norris to move and start to deliver chops. Does the war dance, more big chops, only to walk into another big boot. Charlie then reverses an Irish whip and delivers a bicycle kick for the pin and the win. And the wrong man won. Big Sky fell big. Like Sky... I, yeah, I just... I think the less that's said about this match, the better. Yeah. <sighs> we got it all out at the top. And it was less than six minutes. So, thumbs up, moving on. Tony then sends it back to Scott Dunlap in the back. And Jesse and me both say, who? At the exact same time. <laughs> yep. Dunlap is with Davy Boy Smith. And Scott says, you got the quickness of Harlem Heat? The power of Vader and Big Sid Vicious. And then Bulldog starts giving all the attributes of his team for later on, of his team in War Games. 
That's a big old, big old, big boy team for real. Yeah. Bulldogs still not a good promo. No. Not there. They, unfortunately, and, they can't all be great promos. And Scott Dunlap is not able to uh, <laughs> drag it out of them. Help, help it out at all. No. It's all right. Somebody is on their way, and they tell us, and I didn't expect them to tell us so early. So early. Our third match. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, and the Equalizer, versus Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell, in a match that was added to the card. Woo! Sure. That's what we needed. Why'd they add it to the card? Who knows? I mean, I want Mr. Wonderful. I'm guessing Big Sky and uh, old Charlie Norris, they probably ran a little too short, so they had to find something to fill time. I guess. I don't know. They could have just not done that and done anything with Mr. Wonderful. We're doing a thing with Too Cold and Bagwell, so I guess we'll tag, like, attach somebody to Paul here. And, like, is one of the first shots of the crowd in this show is a girl wearing a Paula t-shirt. We know the Paula chant. Big Paul's got heat. The people want Paul. The equalizer charges at Marcus to begin, but Bagwell ducks and does some pelvic thrusting. Which is what all the ladies want, all right? Oh, you know it. Mm-hmm. Equalizer gets hold of Marcus and starts to use his size to gain control until he misses an elbow drop, allowing Bagwell to hit a flying shoulder tackle. Too Cold then comes in for a double team back elbow and double drop kicks to send the Equalizer out to the floor. The Equalizer is fucking huge. I don't understand why we have to have the Equalizer. Why? Why is he even a thing? Uh, I don't think if you're gonna, even if they you, know. If you're going to bury Big Sky like that, at least let him take the pin in there this you match. Go. At least he looks like a person. Or if you're going to have... Charlie Norris? That's right. Oh. Or, or Chuck. I think, or, I think, or, or not Chuck. I think Chuck and EQ should uh, probably just go back to the hotel bar and, you know, yeah, take a nap. Buy a round of drinks for Eric Watts and say, you know, <laughs> made it onto the main card instead of the dark match. I think I would have preferred to see Eric Watts than... <sighs> Equalizer or Charlie Norris. <laughs> at least, at least, it's, at least, you. Anytime he's on, we at least look at, pay attention to what's happening with him, just because <laughs> it's like, whether it's good or bad, it's at least interesting that he's there. These guys are, I'm, you know, not even interested. Yeah. Back in the ring, Orndorff and the Equalizer with a double team back body drop on Scorpio, followed by multiple elbow drops by Mister Wonderful. Paul tosses Too Cold to the corner, only for him to leap up and over to the apron. Duck around house right. Scorpio then delivers some forearm shivers before jumping up to the top rope and off with a reverse crossbody. Only for Orndorff to use the momentum to roll on top for a two count. Heel's gonna do. Heel stuff. Too Cold and Bagwell take control by limiting Mr. Wonderful with arm locks, a double hip toss, double elbow drop, and a vertical suplex for a near fall. Marcus goes to run the ropes, and the equalizer pulls the top rope down, sending Bagwell flailing to the outside, where the equalizer hits a body slam and runs his back into the apron. Back in the ring, Paul telegraphs the back body drop, so Marcus goes for a sunset flip, only for Orndorff to stay up and punch down. Continuing the attack with elbow drops and double teams with the equalizer, for a two count. Bagwell begins to fire up, rolling the equalizer over with a crucifix for a near fall, 
but the big man is up to hit a clothesline to regain control. Mr. Wonderful then applies a bear hug, only for Marcus to escape with a back suplex. Crawl to the corner for the hot tag. Scorpio in with quick jabs on the equalizer, a spinning heel kick, drop kick on Paul, and goes up top for a flying body press on the equalizer, only for Orndorff to break up the pin. Pier 6 breaks out when Too Cold and Bagwell go to Irish whip their opponents, only for the equalizer to reverse his, allowing Mr. Wonderful to deliver a clothesline on Scorpio. That was surprising. Yeah, that was really good psychology. It's like, okay, the biggest guy in the ring is the one that reverses the whip. They get their shit off. I thought it was uh, cool and intelligent. More brawling before a double-team clothesline on Marcus. An equalizer begins to hold Bagwell while Scorpio climbs to the top rope. Paul charges in with a jumping knee, but Marcus moves, so the equalizer takes the blow followed by two cold coming off with a Firebird 450 splash Ooh. for the pin and, and the win. win. I love the, like, four, the, the, the four ninjas, the, the, three, the four little kids on the hard cam that oh, are just, like, what? hanging out. <laughs> well, I, saw, I thought I only saw three of them at first, so my notes said three ninjas, which I think that movie probably came out, like, a year later. Uh, yeah, they're having a blast. I'm just like, you know, that's what happens when you watch Fall Brawl 93 is you see some kids having fun, uh, and you're like, oh, man, like, look at them having a good time. I wish I was having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Post-match, equalizer with a shot from behind a Scorpio, followed by a leg drop, and Orndorff comes off the top with a knee drop. Bagwell runs back into the ring, only to receive a German suplex from Mr. Wonderful to leave the good guys laying in the ring. Bum, bum, bum. You know, a lame thought, which I have most of the time, are lame thoughts. Uh, Scorpio and Bagwell, their matching gear and everything looks great. Scorpio should leave the vest uh, behind for solo encounters. But it's uh, hard to nitpick something like that when we just watch Big Sky and, Charlie Ch- and, Char- yeah, and, and Chuck- Chucky Norris. We go to the stage and Eric Bischoff's there with Lord Stephen Regal and Sir William. And Regal lets us know that he is just better than us. Agreed. Eric asks if winning by your valet hitting your opponent over the head is honorable. And Lord Stephen responds with, if you can't trust me, who can you trust? And Bischoff then responds with, absolutely no one. (laughs) Uh, God, Regal's here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yep. He does I'm, provide some entertainment. He provides entertainment. Yeah, in, in more than one way. It's like, we love Ricky in the ring. But you know who's a pretty abysmal promo? Ricky, Ricky the Dragon. Yeah, Ricky Steamboat. So, uh, you know, anybody that's as talented as Steven Regal, being even, yeah, be, having any charisma on the mic is a plus. We then get our fourth match. Shanghai Pierce. With Tex Salinger versus Ice Train. Ice Train. I kind of forgot about that guy. Ice Train looks incredible. <laughs> well, Tony says Ice Train is big everywhere. Oh, wow. He's a big boy. Uh, yeah. Everywhere. Tony's, Tony's selling, of, selling for the Ice Train. Tony, uh, they, they were making some weird comments throughout the majority of the show. There was, there was lots of innuendo 
tucked in there. I mean, Jesse is, I mean, it's typically not very tucked in, but it's there. But Tony making dick jokes is kind of weird. Eventually, Tony starts talking about getting behind somebody. Mm, okay. Something like that. Some, get somebody getting something from behind. Yeah. But Ice Train is like, <laughs> has like the most, he's eminently likable as soon as you see him. He's just got a big old happy face. He's huge and he's the, he just looks like the largest baby face ever. And you know, they probably were like, this guy's so huge. He should be a heel. But it's like, look at him. Like you just, like he just looks too nice and pleasant that I can't imagine him being a bad guy. Look at that smile. Million dollar smile. The two men lock up early with no one gaining an advantage until Pierce suckers train into a test of strength, kicking him in the gut to take over. Ice is tossed to the ropes where Tex grabs his ankle from outside, which pisses him off, allowing Shanghai to nail Ice Train from behind. Snapmare, knee drop by Pierce, goes for a suplex, but is blocked and reversed by Ice. Back body drop by train, but an irate puts Shanghai in control. When Salinger jumps up on the apron, boo! Pierce Irish whips ice, and the Texicans go for a bull rope aided clothesline, only for train to steamroll his way through it. Ice then power slams Shanghai for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. Quick and to the pointless. You said it. No faking. You said it best. <laughs> but, Co- I mean, you can't. Don't you just want to hang out with Ice Train? It was a great debut for Ice Train. Yeah. Come on. I don't know. I just really liked his energy. He seemed like a oh, yeah. real cool guy. He just you has that, like, infectious energy. Maybe we need to get him over to WWF so he can team with Owen and we can have like a full on high energy like oh, yeah. high energy high energy you leave Coco alone god damn it I won't have any of this Coco's y'all are gonna love Ice Train's uh, tag team partner later on uh, okay I remember him post match Tex jumps in the ring only to be knocked out of the ring by three big right hands from Train and then he knocks Pierce out with right hands as well cool yeah we then get an ad for Halloween Havoc 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a cameo of Danzig's bookshelf. <laughs> Sorry, that's a joke for only a couple people, I guess. I don't get it. <laughs> There's a famous internet video of Danzig explaining all of uh, the books on his bookshelf that is absolutely hilarious, and it's like, you know, spooky occult books or whatever, and yeah. there's a bookshelf in this little ad, <laughs> and it made me think of Danzig's uh, occult bookshelf. But then we get our fifth match, the Nasty Boys of Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags with Missy Hyatt. I know, Missy's a rocker now. She's got her, like, studded jacket, all dressed up, ready for the biker bar or the rock and roll show. Versus the Horsemen of Arn Anderson and Paul Roma for the WCW World Tag Team Championship. I really think that this Paul hate is... (laughs) Unacceptable. Hey, I'm a Paul hate man. I just don't think that he's that bad. I don't think he's that good. I mean, nobody's that good. <laughs> typically, if they're the he's other not, guy in the Arn Anderson tag he's team, he's not Arn Anderson quality tag team partner. Arn it's, has had to tag with worse in his career. He has, but he deserves better. We all want the best for Arn, but Arn is the kind of guy. Here's that the thing: does the best with what he has every time. 
like Edge and Randy Orton in the greatest wrestling match ever. <laughs> if it's not named that, you're probably looking at that match like it's actually a pretty good match. Yeah, but you want to see that until they tell you what it is. Here's the thing. If Paul Roma isn't a horseman, because I enjoyed him as pa- in Power and Glory. Yeah, he was fine in Power and Glory. He's I mean, not a horseman. He, he, if he's not a horseman, you're not complaining about Paul Roma. Do you think he's the like least interesting in-ring horseman? At this point. Mm-hmm. Barry Windham? Barry is good, but I never am compelled by Barry Windham. Have you been compelled by Paul yet? More so. That's weird. That is very weird. <laughs> I know, but more so is my answer. So Missy is the surprise that the Nasty Boys were talking about earlier. It's a pretty surprise. Yeah. And Tony says he recognized her by her walk, but Jesse blurts out that it was her chest. Uh, pecs. boy, Jesse. He said chest, and then he switched to chest. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. He said chest, then pecs. <laughs> a sign is shown asking Missy if she bought those, and some other signs that seem to know that Missy was going to be with the Nasty Boys as well. Yeah. These are, this is a very smart crowd. Well, it's because they did know. Because remember all those tapings that I talked about? They were in Houston. Well, they weren't in Houston, but Missy had been with the Nasty Boys during those tapings. Oh, yeah. So people already knew that she was the surprise. I actually found out that those tapings took WCW all the way through Starcade. Good Lord. Wow. So they filmed six months worth of television at least. That's wild. Wow. And they're afraid to change it, apparently, because we could still have Steve Austin and Brian Pillman as tag team champions. But... So it blows my mind, and we're going to keep hearing about these tapings because... Uh, Shit changes? Stuff gets fucked up, basically, over time because of different things. (laughs) All mucked up. Roma and Brian work the crowd with dueling chants until Nobbs tries to attack from behind only for Paul to avoid and lay him out with a right hand. Brian takes control after a knee to the gut, slams Roma's head into the turnbuckle, but Paul comes back with power slams on both Nasty Boys to clear the ring. Missy's helping Nobbs up on the outside when someone throws a dollar bill at her. Yeah, this crowd is just... There is some piece of shit that is just like yelling at Missy this whole match and... uh, um, it's These pretty. It's fucking people. scummy. It's like, dude, you can yell at them, but it's a heel manager. That's fine. But I know that what you're saying is shit that nobody. Uh, yeah, the, it's not Jim Cornette. Say whatever you'd like, but I imagine he's probably saying that those people are saying some pretty unsavory things. Once back in the ring, sags once Arn which turns into a bad decision as Anderson starts working the leg of Jerry, wrapping it around the ring post multiple times. Roma joins in on the leg work until Brian is tagged in, only to start working his leg as well with a wishbone. And the fans are ripping Hyatt a new one with mm. all the chants, such as Take It Off yeah. and Crack Whore. Oh, wow. I didn't catch that one. There were some, sometimes you, I don't can't catch all the... Uh, chance, but I had a feeling that it was unsavory. <laughs> Crack or totally not cool. You might maybe you save that one for a few years later. Yeah. 
After several minutes of leg bars by the horseman, Paul is caught in the wrong corner, which allows the nasty boys to start working the back of Roma with a pump handle slam, a body slam, and chin locks. Roma tries to lift Sags up onto his shoulders, only to find he is too heavy. But he tries it on Brian and hits the electric chair drop. Rolls to the corner for the hot tag. And Big Daddy Arn is in. With lefts and rights, back elbow, and locks on a sleeper on Jerry, while Hyatt jumps on the apron. Arn goes for a pump splash, but Sags gets his knees up, followed by Knobs rushing in with a clothesline to knock Anderson out of the ring with a clothesline. After dragging Double A back into the ring, Jerry just tosses Arn through the ropes on the opposite side, where Brian gets involved in the attack with Ventura's chair across the back. Did you guys see this uh, Beavis and Butthead sign? No. Mm-hmm. There's this incredible Beavis and Butthead like hand-drawn sign uh, in the crowd. I even have like the time code of it because I was like, <laughs> I think that this needs to be on a t-shirt. I can't remember exactly what it says. It's obviously wrestling related, but it is pure fucking art. Hmm. What's the time code? One hour, 11 minutes, and 12 seconds. There you go. Go out there and check out that Beavis and Butthead art. (laughs) It's pretty great. I was like, hmm, I could probably get a friend to redraw this for me. The Nasties then begin to work the back of Anderson with headbutts into the back, hard Irish whips, and the two men trade off on a leverage-aided ab stretch to wear double A down. But Arn rakes the eyes to reverse the hold, only to be taken down by a clothesline from Sags. Anderson's still being worked over by Jerry when he begins to power his way towards the corner. Makes the tag, but the ref is distracted by knobs running into the ring, so it's disallowed. The nasty boys with a double clothesline, and Brian applies a bear hug, only for Double A to escape by biting knobs, and goes for a suplex, but it's blocked and reversed. No. Lucky, those bear hugs are dangerous. Vertical suplex by Jerry and goes back to the bear hug. But Arn powers his way out only to receive a double team back elbow. Brian telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Anderson to hit an elbow to the back of the head. But Sags comes in to stop the tag. The Nasties go for a double clothesline, which double A ducks and comes back with a double face plant. Crawls to the corner for the hot tag. Roma's in, going nuts on the nasties with right hands, clotheslines, drop kicks, a body slam, double noggin knockers. He then comes off the top rope with a missile drop kick on knobs. But Jerry makes the save. Paul goes for mounted punches in the corner on sags, but Brian comes in from behind to lift him up onto his shoulders while Jerry climbs the ropes. But Arn runs in and shoves sags off the ropes into knobs, giving Roma a chance to go for a victory roll, but only for a two count. Damn it, Paul. Anderson tosses Jerry out to the floor and then hits Brian with a spine buster. While Paul comes off the top rope with a splash for the pin and no, Sags comes flying in with a top rope elbow drop, allowing knobs to make the cover for the pin and the win. And new! Nasty Boys is pretty messy. Plus, yeah. if that's the horseman's new finisher, that's fucking cool. I'm just saying. 
I mean, it's basically powering glory instead of a power slam into a top rope splash. It's a spine buster into a top rope splash. But even better. Even be- yeah, pretty cool stuff. I love the nasty boys. Have at this point in time, like, there's no true like the art of the tattoo. Whereas now, like everybody that you know has tattoos that are of like decent quality. The nasty boys have like. They're big guys, and they just have, like, tiny, <laughs> shitty tattoos. Well, it'll be, like, their name, too small on their, like, forearm, and sure, like, they're on their uh, bicep. It's very funny and um, a look that I quite enjoy. <laughs> Kurt Angle's little tattoo that he had for the I mean, I guess he still has it, but... <laughs> yeah. It just always looked out of place. Yeah, yeah. They have, like, sailor tattoos from, like, you know, 1967 or some shit. Jesse then interviews the Nasty Boys and Missy at ringside. And Missy says she's on a mission to hurt the Four Horsemen, and she's getting it done. And the Nasty Boys did it. Ventura then sends us to a video package about Cactus Jack, where we see Vader destroying Jack in a match from April on WCW Saturday night until Cactus Jack would win by countout. Vader would be so irate in the back and would want a rematch. But prior to it, Jack would discuss his emotions and his mysterious bag. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? During the actual match, Vader would powerbomb Cactus Jack on the concrete floor with a shocked television audience watching Jack being taken away on a stretcher. Mm -hmm. Cactus Jack. Loves those stretcher jobs. And most of the time that he needs a stretcher, he doesn't use it. Yep. Weeks would pass with no update on Cactus Jack's condition. So WCW sent reporter Catherine White to the hospital and his home. But he's nowhere to be found. He's homeless. Look at him. What a reporter she is, too. Based on a clue that she found, White would go to the streets of Cleveland, (laughs) where she would finally find Jack living with the homeless and suffering from amnesia. This is like some true attitude era shit, (laughs) but like, like, you know, a little early. It's pretty impressive how involved this is. We even see Cactus Jack without a beard, which I think might be the only time we ever see this. (laughs) Yeah, it's trippy. I'm pretty sure he has no eyebrows, too. I kept looking at him, and it looked like he had no... Either that or they were just lightened. Mick's gonna do for sure. And if he thought that that would be more compelling than to shave his eyebrows off, you know his ass did it. Catherine would try to jog his memory by bringing family to Cleveland, but the attempts were futile, causing White to give up the cause. We would then cut back and see Harley Race admit to taking the bag, the mysterious bag. What's in the bag? Viewing it as a symbol of the end of Jack. Harley would then start receiving messages, such as a cactus. But at Clash 24, Cactus Jack would make his return, beating down Vader on the rampway after his match with Davy Boy. Race would then put a price on Jack's head and employ Yoshi Kwan to collect. Jack would continue to make his presence known to Vader as he wanted a match and his bag back. And then we would cut we would cut to a Cactus Jack promo. I was walking down the street last week. You're not gonna do the crazy voice? A street very much like (laughs) this. A man stopped me, said, Cactus Jack, didn't you didn't really lose your memory, did you? And I said no. 
He said, Cactus Jack, that really wasn't your wife on TV either, was it? And I said, no. Cactus Jack, then that wasn't really your child, was it? And I said, no. He said, Cactus Jack, did anyone really believe you lost your mind? And I said, yes! You see, I know for a fact that there were two people who believed in every inch, and that's Harley Race and Vader. And they didn't believe me. They were stupid. Because you don't win the world championship by being an idiot. No. They believed it because they wanted to. You see, Vader, I know what goes on inside that sick head of yours. You like the big game hunter. And look on your wall. You got the ribs of Sting. The shoulder of Ron Simmons. The back of Joe Thurman. And the neck of Nikita Koloff. But something was missing, wasn't it? Somewhere over that fireplace in that home of yours, there was that space for that Saskatchewan moose. You said, bring me the head of Cactus Jack, but you can't have it. Vader, you can't have it. Yes, you put me on the shelf for a while, but all that did was earn me valuable time. Time for thoughts of you to brew like a bag of tea and a sea of hatred. Best line I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) And this is no sippin' tea, Vader. It's brutality. (laughs) And for you, it's the very dose of reality. Oh my god, he's better than Pia News. Because when Cactus Jack comes back, keep this in mind. He's coming with bad intentions. And if they can arrest the man for the thought that go through his mind then bring out the rope and hang me here because Vader I got some sick thoughts and every one of them centers around you you tried to change my world now we reverse roles it's my turn and you're gonna find out that in the day in the life of Cactus Jack is worse than any specter ghoul or ghost you could have imagined. I'm coming for you. Bang, bang. Doesn't bang, bang. really get any better. Leave me with Beautiful. thoughts to brew like a bag of tea in a sea of hatred is the best shit ever. And then he goes on to pump even that line up. My God. That's brutality. Yes. This Reality. promo <laughs> is top-notch shit. Is... The best thing on this show. I'm gonna say it right here, dude. Thoughts right to now. brew like a bag of tea in a sea of hatred is fucking poetic. This promo in this what two minute promo, mm. basically. My God. He basically tells you, yes, we know that this entire gimmick that we've been that WCW has been running for the last six months it, is dumb. Is bullshit. But you know what's not bullshit? My hatred. My of hatred Vader. for Vader. Yeah, and I also let you know how badass Vader is by naming the things on his wall that he has taken from top stars throughout this company. Yeah, and Joe Thurman. Joe Thurman, one of these things is not like the others. (laughs) Sting, Nikita Koloff. Uh, Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons. Joe Thurman. Joe Thurman Thurman was a a jobber that Vader heard. Yeah, I I was like, I've never seen a Joe Thurman match. I just want to know if this promo here is what... Jim Ross used to try and get them to 
Great Bring practice check. Well, I know that, like, it's very possible. from what I understand, um, like, I don't think, at least I've heard Bischoff say that he didn't really like the stuff Cactus did as in, like, just the, the fucking, the violence and the stuff that he, like, allowed and did to uh, himself. So well, I don't think... A, there's also not a whole lot of people, I think, on this WCW roster that Cactus Jack can do stuff with. That are willing to work with him like that. It's like, I don't know how Orndorff felt about it, but they had a banger of a match. Yeah. And, like, Vader, of course, is is game. Vader's cause, game, Because, like, Cactus Jack is just going to bump for everybody. Yeah. Like, he's going to hurt himself more than... He's potentially going to hurt you, but he's also not the crispiest of guys. I wonder how Big Sky could handle him. <laughs> <laughs> but even the la- like the last line of the promo directs it towards Halloween Havoc, because, spoiler, we're going to get Vader and Cactus Jack at Halloween Havoc. But that line, Spectre, Ghoul, ghoul or ghost, ghost. Yes. Like You know what he's talking about immediately. You know exactly what he's talking about. Just like... Like literally, I watched this promo probably like four times, and not just because I was writing it all down. Yeah, I watched it like three times to get it down, and then I was just like, "I'm gonna watch this again because it's such a good promo." It's t- like this. This is I don't know. It's hard to pick a favorite promo. I love the New Jack promo where uh, he cuts a promo on white people, and it's incredible. But uh, it is like he's just like baiting you and not really start it's like a beginning of a feud or whatever but this is like leading to so it's been yeah. happening and this is like the build-up and it's more focused on actually wrestling as opposed to just like being shocking for the sake of it granted you can't say that new jack's uh promo was not uh high energy or sold well because it was oh, yeah. but they're definitely different things but this is it's up there. So this leads us into our sixth match. Yoshi Kwan with Harley Race versus Cactus Jack in a bounty match. What's in the bag? A fan has a welcome Mean Gene sign. Oh my gosh. What do you think that means? So I guess we know where he went. Uh, Jesse Ventura says he's on his way. Gene's uh... coming to town. And if you've never seen Yoshi Kwan, he's obviously a white guy. Yeah, it's, it's a yellow stereotypical face. Asian. Yeah, it's yellow face. He has like the Fu Manchu and like the exaggerated eyebrows and like the top ponytail thing. So dumb. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Why you take a guy named Christopher? I guess champion. Name is champion. Yeah, and do this dumb. I mean, come on, Charlie Norris could have played this role. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Norris has like about as much of. A reason to be in a wrestling ring as I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised Yoshi Kwan actually got the Yoshi Kwan name and not some uh, Ronald. Oh yeah. <laughs> we haven't done this gimmick in a while, but the t- our next T-shirt, because you know we have so many T-shirt ideas. Yes, yes. Beat Chuck Norris is my hero, but it's a picture of Charlie Norris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> The real question is, can you find a f- photo of Charlie Norris on the internet? Uh, I'm sure we probably can. Uh, I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll get, you know, the TV title on the next show. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> you never know with WCW at this point. So Jack attacks Race as soon as he gets in the ring before beginning to brawl with Yoshi. 
Cactus Jack with a headbutt, body guillotine, and a clothesline to send them both tumbling over the ropes to the floor. Jack then begins stalking Harley around the ring, allowing Quan to hit a karate kick from behind. Yoshi with chops, head slams into the apron before inseguring him on the rampway. Back in the ring, Quan with a spinning heel kick continues with more kicks until Cactus Jack catches one and begins to fire up with right hands, chokes, back rakes, an atomic drop, and a forearm across the face. I love it's the one of the like silliest wrestling things of all time. But I love a back rake. I don't know why. Jack goes to run the ropes when Harley trips him up from the outside, jumping on the apron to hold Cactus Jack while Yoshi comes in with a kick, only for Jack to avoid and knock Race down, which allows Cactus Jack to hit a double arm DDT for the pin and, and the win. win. Post-match, Cactus Jack suplexes Harley into the ring and grabs his bag before leaving. I need to know what's in the bag. Got that shit back. They never tell us. I don't like that at all. I need to know. It's probably good that another gimmick, other than Cactus Jack just being a bump machine, is dropped. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to know what's in the bag. Marbles. Oh, Maybe like, yeah, is, is that what inspired... That's why he had amnesia, because he lost his marbles. That's why it's... <laughs> <laughs> I should write this shit. Uh, you just stole that from Hook, which was what I was about yeah. to make a joke about. Yeah. It was the marbles. You lost his marbles. It's like, as a kid, I never really got that joke, but, uh, but you know, I was putting it together as I was coming up with it, mapping me to the punch. Tony and Jesse then send us to a video package, and it's on the set of Flair for the Gold, where oh. Rick Rude would interrupt and kiss Fifi. Oh my gosh, I want to kiss Fifi. Which she wasn't too thrilled about, as she would slap him. Nature Boy would then get hit from behind with the title belt and given a rude awakening. The Ravishing One then starts yelling at Fifi, calling her a gold digger. What does he care? I love his matching pants, shirts, plus, plus fanny yeah, pack. That was, that was Real good look. Matchy, matchy. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> the, I think that the, the thing with the Zubaz pants is that the Zubaz pants look bad with any top, but you gotta get the Zubaz t-shirt to match the pants in your business. Sure. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. So then we go to our seventh match. Ravishing Rick Rude versus the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, with Fifi for the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. I thought it was going to be a match for Fifi. We do get Michael Buffer's famous words for this match. Let's get ready to fumble. Exactly. Are you... <laughs> Wait, no. I mean, I guess those are technically some of the words, but... Ready? Wrong, wrong voice. Yeah. We are told Flair would like to say a few words... But Rude takes the mic instead, saying, I got one thing to say to you, boy. Woo! And he holds up an airbrush picture of Nate. Tonight, when I leave this arena, not only will I have your reputation, not only will I have your world title, but Ric Flair, I'm going to have your woman. Dang. Takes his robe off. And he has new tights with Fifi airbrushed on his genitals. And it, what's crazy, about this not too long I know, ago. I needed new trunks. I guess he needed a big enough feud for him. Yeah. Uh, you know what's incredible about this? 
the airbrush looks just like Fifi. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like they screw those up so often where it's just like, <laughs> oh, that looks like a, like, if it's of a woman, it's like, oh, that looks like a woman. A woman. Yeah. Like, or like... You have a bulge in the wrong spot, it totally changes the shape <laughs> of the face. But, the, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like they could have just been a generic, like, airbrush of a pretty woman, but it actually looks like Fifi. I was like, that's a pretty good job. So the Ravish one takes a headlock early on, with the Nature Boy continuously trying to fight out to no avail. Rude then hits multiple elbow drops and goes up top for a flying knee drop, only for Flair to roll away, and Nate goes right after the leg with a figure four. But the Ravishing One makes the ropes to break the hold. Gotta get it in quick. Once Rude is back to his feet, he delivers an eye rake and a clothesline to send the Nature Boy over the ropes to the floor. Real 360. Giving him time to gyrate at Fifi, which allows Flair to crawl back to the top rope, coming off with a single sledge, chops, and begins to work the arm for a very long time. I understand Rude's fascination with Fifi. She's a very pretty lady, but I don't think this is how you win a woman's heart. Especially when you're a married man that's wrestling with the wedding ring on. (laughs) Good observation. Uh, Yeah, like... Maybe your wife doesn't. Maybe you're not giving your wife the pay-per-view money. Maybe your maybe wife wants to be ravished every now and then. No, yeah, and you need a, a, a ravishing road road lady. But I mean, the ravishing one escapes with an eye rake, delivers head slams in the turnbuckle, Irish whip, and charges in. But Nate moves, so Rude hits shoulder first, allowing the Nature Boy to go back to working on the arm. Again, Rude fires up and goes for a body slam, but the shoulder is hurting, so Flair takes the Ravishing One down to the mat, delivering a rolling knee drop on the arm before locking the arm bar back on. And Jesse keeps uh, saying plenty of sexist things. Oh, yeah. Um, tons of them, like, like, we, like we want uh, Jesse Ventura to do, but Tony Schiavone lets the sound lady know. Oh, Sarah Lee? Yeah, she's getting... Sarah Lee's pissed. She cuts off his microphone. Mm-hmm. Very well, funny. He's Very funny about, stuff. You know, a woman's place is barefoot and pregnant. And yeah, in the kitchen and, and all that. Yeah. I don't very, know. Yeah. Very, very statesman of you there, Mr. I disagree. If I was Ric Flair, I would also want Fifi on the road with me. I mean, he has her at yeah, home now. Sure. Oh, is he married to her now? Yep. Was she married then? To, he wasn't married to her back then. No. Nope. Were they ever married? She's not, not sure. Until mom, is she? No. No. Okay. no. <laughs> Not until recently, right? Yeah, it's the most recent marriage for him. Okay. Wow. That's crazy that she married him that much that many years later. Okay. Yeah. She's she she's got a good long game. Good for her. I'm sure she I mean, still looks I, great. I mean, I'm sure she rode Space Mountain many times. Oh. But yeah. For all we know, she named it. The two trade right hands and chops. Rude goes for a hip toss, only for Nate to reverse it into a backslide for a two count. The Nature Boy follows up with a crossbody on the Ravishing One, sending both men over the ropes to the floor, where Rude delivers a clothesline, runs his back into the apron, before dragging Flair onto the apron and bringing him into the ring with a vertical suplex for a two count. That's how you get that done. The Ravishing One then begins working Flair's back before sitting down in a chin lock for a while. The crowd is chanting, Go, Rick, go! And I'm like, did they not realize that both of them are named Rick? Yeah, it should probably be like Flair, probably. May as well just chant USA. Might as well. Yeah, they go, go, (laughs) Rick, without the K, go. 
Nate is trying to get to his feet, so Rude tries for a butt splash, but the nature boy avoids and starts chopping away on the ravishing one, only to run into a rubber band slam. Rude tosses Nate to the corner for the flare flip, landing the nature boy out on the floor, but the ravishing one drags him up to the apron and drops his neck across the top rope. Rude applies a bear hug to continue to work the back, taking Flair to the mat for multiple pin attempts, but only for two, which Nature then rolls on top for some ground and pound. The Nature Boy charges at the Ravishing One, only to be lifted up into a stun gun across the top rope to give us a flare flop, and allows Rude to head up top for multiple forearms across the head. The Ravishing One tries for a third one, only for Nature to catch him in the gut before delivering a back suplex, a running knee drop, and a butterfly suplex for a two count. The nature boy with an Irish whip charges in only to receive a knee to the gut, allowing Rude to hit a DDT for a near fall, delivers several other knee lifts, and looks to go for the Rude Awakening. But Flair bites the Ravishing One's fingers and turns it into a Rude Awakening of his own. Oh my gosh. For the pin... And no, the Ravishing One gets his boot on the ropes. Rude then applies a sleeper, only for Nate to escape with a pair of shin breakers and a second rope leg snap. The Nature Boy then goes for the figure four, but the Ravishing One kicks Flair away. So Nate comes right back, only for Rude to cradle him up for a near fall. The Nature Boy tosses the Ravishing One out to the floor, chops away on him, before coming off the top with a single sledge. Back in the ring, the attack continues until Rude reverses an Irish whip to send Flair flipping onto the apron. This time he got it. This time he steadied those feet. And he runs onto the apron. to the next turnbuckle to come off with a double axe handle, only for the Ravishing One to close lining mid-air. <sighs> oh my God. Rude then goes up top, hits the flying knee drop for the pin, and no, Nate kicks out. Damn it. The Ravishing One tosses the Nature Boy out to the floor and then calls on Fifi to come up and give him a smooch. But she just slaps him. So Rude grabs her and gives her a kiss. Oh my gosh, that's sexual assault. Before lifting her into the ring, which allows Flair to come in from behind to hit the Ravishing One. Nate with a back body drop, inverted atomic drop, chops another back body drop and applies the figure four the ref is distracted by fifi same trying to get her out of the ring when rude grabs a pair of knucks from his trunks and nails the nature boy with them rolling on top for the pin and and the win and new how good does it feel for rick rude to be the champion i'm happy I just feel like I fell asleep halfway there. I think that the problem with this match is that it's on a war games show. So you only get, you don't get, there's not the crowd engagement. Like, these people are so much further away. The people on one side of each match are so so much further away that I feel like it's easier to be distracted or whatever. I feel like that this show, this match deserves to be in a single ring. It does, but it also deserves just... To be a little bit shorter? Shorter yeah, and that's have fine. a little more excitement injected into it. Here's my issue. 
What does Ric Flair work on the entire first half of this match? The arm. I mean, that's Rick's that's Rick's fault. <laughs> what does Rude work on the entire first half of this match? The back. Do either of those come in have anything to do with the finish? Well, Rick Rude, I mean, uh, Rick Flair up. has the back injury from the plane crash. If, but they but they could have talked about that at some point. Fucking Rick Rude, we've been waiting all these years for him to win a world title, and this it is, is how it happened. I don't. Th- I think that the finish that was fun, me. and the angle is 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 like pretty like stock, but good See, enough wrestling angle. My problem with it was as I was watching it, we got to the bear hug spot, and maybe it was just an extra long bear hug but i felt like oh my god this match has been going on for so long well At they do point, the like r- r- that's like when the... i pulled out the notes and found out where we were on it and then i just kind of kept following along and it seemed like this little paragraph right here took like five minutes and yeah. this sentence right here yeah. took another yeah. ten yeah <laughs> that, like there's the a lot of there's a lot of like the, the, cam- Flair, the camel Flair walks on that arm lock for literally the first ten minutes of the match, and Rick Rude keeps doing the like and then the Rude reverse does the chin lock, the chin lock, reverse chin lock, camel clutch style mm-hmm. for like the next ten minutes of the match. Yeah. And it was just and like now we're gonna go for a sleeper. Yeah, you could cut you could cut a solid yeah. like five to eight minutes out of typically, this, I'm, and it would have moved. Typically, almost any ravishing Rick match, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for what's gonna happen next. This and had no reason to be thirty minutes. I mean, no. Flair doing a thirty minute match is usually I'm I'm all for it. Uh-huh. For their first match, it didn't need to be a thirty-minute match. This, this just did not work. At it would have been like him, him, him rushed. pulling out the nucks at at twenty minutes when it like at a twenty-minute point off of a near fall after the like Fifi incident. Like, is a surprise. Like he gets hit in the head with brass knuckles. We don't need thirty minutes until brass knuckles. No. Twenty minutes and like twenty minutes of a similar style match. Take out your holds and still the same finish same finishes i think the finish is good do we know did the recordings that changed everything else did they have anything to do with why this feud was pushed so fast and no they went from nothing to i'm challenging you for the belt and i'm taking your wife and we're going to have a 30 minute match and i'm already going to have her face printed on my trunks well i mean 30 minute matches is a flare thing yeah they try and give Player as much time as possible, but this match is the reason why WCW and the NWA broke up. Because WCW, because of those tapings, there was pictures of Rude wearing the belt, and NWA was all like, "Wait, we didn't give you permission to do that." Because the NWA still had their board of directors who were choosing the champion. Blah de blah de blah. Kayfabe. Sorry, yeah. but. That's the reason why that relationship broke up, basically. is because WCW wanted to put the belt on Rick Rude. And they just fucking just did it. And the NWA was like, no. That's not how this works, yeah. Yeah. But Eric Bischoff was like, what's wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) We then go to Tony and Jesse. They start talking Halloween havoc and recapping the evening. And... Shivani tells us that Dustin Rhodes was injured the night before. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Gary Capetta then goes over the 30 rules of war games, which Yay. I'm not going to cover. And the I cage begins lowering with Pyro going off. If you've listened to us 
on any of the other times that we've covered uh, war games, you know what the rules are. Yeah, because they haven't changed. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Jesse does the uh, the uh, apocalypse now quote. The, uh, yeah, there's nothing I like more than the smell of napalm in the morning. As the fireworks go on, and I have to be like, hey, Jesse, it's not napalm. It's fireworks. But we then get our eighth match of Harlem Heat, of Kane and Cole, Sid Vicious, and Big Van Vader, with Colonel Robert Parker and Harley Race, versus the natural Dustin Rhodes, the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, the Shockmaster, mm-hmm, our resident stormtrooper, and Sting. With Road Warrior Animal in a War Games match. Is there... Just stop the Shockmaster and put Animal in the match. Mm-hmm. Right? What in the fuck is the... What in the fuck is this? I mean, at least he didn't have the Stormtrooper ma- mask. No, no. But he, he had he a hard hat. Storm tro- Stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was a like, oh... truck driver looking dude. Yeah, I was like, so now he's like... The Shockmaster is an electrician? Right? <laughs> like, I was like, yeah... So the face team has decided that Shockmaster will be their first person in the ring, which I was already like, that's a bad decision Mm -hmm. also. But Dustin ends up running into their ring to attack Vader with a flying forearm as the bell rings. The two men trade blows until the natural just ends up beating Vader down, takes his boot off, and uses it to nail the big man several times as well. That's a fun thing to do. Except for that he's going to be in one boot the rest of the match. And it's Dustin. He's the natural. But then he runs into a big boot from Vader. Vader's delivering stiff shots in the corner, but Rhodes fights back with right hands, only for the big man to come right back with a body slam and a Vader bomb. Dustin begins to fight back again, hitting a DDT, grabbing the boot and nailing Vader in the face again. As time runs out, the ref flips a coin, and surprise, surprise... The heel team wins. Oh my god. So Kane, who I will be calling Stevie Ray from this point forward, enters the ring while Vader continues the attack with a crossbody, only for the natural to turn it into a power slam. Stevie Ray is taken down immediately, but Vader comes over and they begin to double team Rhodes, nailing him with the loose boot and throwing him into the cage to bust him open. He's got the loose boot. Two minutes is up, so Sting is ready to come in. But the heels meet him at the door, only for the Stinger to greet them with a double clothesline, before tossing Stevie Ray into the cage and delivering a Stinger splash on Vader. Dustin's back up, and he's head-slammed into the turnbuckle by Stevie Ray, but comes back with a flying clothesline in one ring, while Sting and Vader are in the other ring, with the big man being tossed into the cage multiple times. Oh, we get those big... Vader uh, haymakers to pour to pour little Stinger's head. Two minutes is up, and Sid enters the ring, where Sting goes right after him, but is Irish whipped into Vader to be dazed, turning back towards Vicious to be choke slammed. All the heels are working on the Stinger, choking him, hitting him with the loose boot. Stevie Ray then hits a back elbow on Rhodes. Sting with a face plant on Sid, but the heels triple team lift the stinger into the top of the cage. Ah, oh, we like that spot, right? The natural then tosses Stevie Ray into the cage, but receives multiple big boots from Vicious. Another two minutes is up, and Davy Boy enters the ring. Oh yeah, I forgot he was there. Where Sid meets him with a forearm, 
but the Bulldog comes back with a clothesline and a power slam on Vader as he's coming off the ropes. Ah, Davy Boy always looks awesome. Sting and Davy Boy then lift Vicious into the top of the cage. <sighs> Crazy. Stinger then delivers a double noggin knocker on Stevie Ray and Sid, but they no sell it and start choking Sting. Bulldog with mounted punches on Stevie Ray. Rhodes sends Vicious into the cage. And two minutes is up, and Cole, who I will now proceed to call Booker T, enters the ring. Booker starts laying it in on Dustin with the help of Vader. Harlem Heat starts double-teaming the Stinger. Davy Boy is press-slammed off the top rope by Booker T. And then Booker jumps over the ropes from one ring to the other with a shoulder tackle on Sting. But the Stinger ducks to avoid. Two minutes is up. And the Shockmaster enters the ring. Who knows what kind of entrance he's going to make. And the match beyond begins. Submission or surrender. He's going to trip and fall and knock himself out. Shocky immediately throws all of Harlem Heat into the cage. Big right hands on Vader. Stevie Ray's thrown into the cage a few more times before applying a bear hug to Booker T while everyone else is just looking on, and Booker T submits. <sighs> hmm. So Dustin Rhodes, Sting, the British Bulldog, and the Shockmaster are your winners. Uh, Vader looks, uh, looks pretty pissed. Cole keeps saying he didn't give up. It was a very good, like, subtle sell from Cole, Booker T, with, like, they give up or whatever, but this was like a seven-minute fucking war games match. What's going on? Yeah. I don't even... Yeah. So Tony and Jesse recap the evening. They preview Halloween Havoc, letting us know we are getting spin the wheel, make the deal. Oh my gosh, what kind of what kind of movie do we get to watch this time? Coal Miner's Daughter Match Again, or whatever it was called. <laughs> Before saying their goodbyes. And the credits roll. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Fall Brawl 93? It didn't cut like butter. On a scale from 1 to 10, I give it a Oh, it's not it's not a 0, or a but it's not. It's pretty it's, bad. <laughs> it's not. I'm. It's not much better so, than that. Everything... According to Large Marge, it was the worst accident I ever saw. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so everything on this show, and I mean everything, mm-hmm. was too long. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the things that either should not have been. Okay. Or Charlie Norris, big wait, guy. Wait, wait for it. Okay. Wait for it. Or was it an unnecessary match, mm-hmm. which means they were too long as well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, in the case of the War Games match, it lacked any intensity at all. You get to the exciting part, and you put a bear hug on, and it's over. So I... this show was just boring. Mm-hmm. Like the best match of the show, the crowd was was the first was like. Was so the first one, and, and I still feel like it was too long. Yeah. The crowd was so hot and cold that, like... And granted, that has a lot to do with what was happening in the ring. And it doesn't help to have, like, your best guys 
in some of your best talents in singles matches in a war games style ring where it swaps back and forth. I'd be pissed if I bought front I mean, row tickets. You, you bought to if you're you know what war games is. You that's, bought that's front true. row tickets. That's that's, that's on you. I guess that's just me. You shitting know on you war should games. know better. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't blame the two rings thing for the crowd not being like. But there seemed like there was some smart crowd in there. Maybe that's why they were so unenthused. <laughs> so I mean, I would be unenthused watching this show too. I was unenthused watching this show. Yeah, it was not good. It wasn't good. It, it wasn't was good. good. It sucked. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. You gotta find me at least one moment on this show that you liked. Mick Foley, his. I mean the Cactus Jack promo. Yeah. Because I already uh, said that was the yeah. best thing on the show. Uh, Regal Steamboat, still a little long, but it was as far as what they did with the time, potentially better. I mean, yes, I wish it would have been shorter, by you know just a couple minutes. That I mean, out of all the matches, that is the best match. Yeah. I still wish it was a couple minutes shorter because I think it went 17 minutes. It, it's actually longer than the War Games match. Yeah, the tag, the two cold Bagwell match was not as bad as it could have been. Um, Anything with the equalizer, I don't need to see though. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm a big Paul Paul fan. Actually, though the tag team championship match. It, here's the thing: if Missy Hyatt's probably not either part of the match or the crowd isn't taking away from the match by yelling stuff at Missy Hyatt. Yeah, probably that match probably is probably my favorite. I think it's a yeah, it's a good match. The okay, not wrestling related, but the big happy smiling infectious energy of Stop the, my the face of Ice Train. First you take my See, I I could have just boat. done without that match completely. Like, yeah, we didn't I, I need didn't, it, but Ice Train uh, like uh, made my heart grow one more size, uh, which I... I mean, I believe you have it pulled up. Uh-huh. Big Sky match is like four minutes. 4.34. Ice Train match is like... 3.30, 3.27. Okay, add those seven minutes to the War Games match. Yeah. Makes, it, makes mm-hmm. it about a 24-minute match. Makes it much better. Yes. You take six minute, six to eight minutes off the world title match... I mean, we've discussed that. Yeah. Make it like a 24-minute match. Three minutes off of the Mick Foley I mean, you probably story. end up... You probably end up... No, we need like, that. Actually, that, like I said, that's the best part of this entire show is and that he, video he has package. To get, he has to get through the, like, the, 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 the crony Because it shows us, it shows us all the entire bullshit that WCW has done with his gimmick. And then in his... Because, like, if we don't see that... Half of his promo doesn't really hold, make a whole lot of sense True. to us. No, and also, um, like you know, he beats the guy to build up to the to the next match, match like the next you know, and he does it quickly in three minutes and thirty seconds. Like it's if of these three short matches, this is the one that should be here. Cactus Jack is yeah, a star. I, I have no issue. I mean, other than it being and Har- Harley other Race than is it a star. being completely racial, racially insensitive. Well, yeah. But Other than that point, that goes without saying. But I mean, the match is fine because it's exactly what you want it to be with Cactus Jack winning a match super quickly, getting you know getting his bag back, getting some heat you on also Harley have Race. Harley, yeah, Harley Race. You know, one of the biggest champions in this 
business. Business, and yeah. uh, he he gets suplexed by Cactus Jack into the ring. Like, of course, you want to see that on a pay per view. Yeah. I mean, huh? Rick Rude got new tights. Rick Rude got new tights. That is a great moment. Tights with the lovely Fifi on them. I mean, we've kind of blurred best moments and most disappointing here. So that's much kind of what's been going because on because there's literally not that many best yeah. moments. It's, it's, it's mostly just all disappointing. It's rough that like Rude Flair, yeah, I'm is not the, isn't something that I'm screaming from the mountaintop exactly. right now because it should be. That's what I'm most disappointed about Absolutely. is being a lifelong Rick Rude fan. I wanted him to win I think the championship, like, and yeah, he won, but he won it in a match that I don't care about, and he didn't win the quote-unquote top prize of that brand because they have Vader with his own belt, and so basically he won the equivalent of the Intercontinental Championship, which he's already had in WWE. If you just cut out the, the long holds from that match, it's not a bad match. But they just suck the energy in, out of it. But unfortunately, they are there. Yeah, they and are there. They yeah. suck. If they would edit their videos, up. like you know, Japan does on some of their stuff, where they <laughs> take five minutes of a match that they feel isn't important. Yeah, then, for TV or whatever. But yeah, like, it'd probably be yeah. spectacular. There's a good match if, in here. I don't know if there is a spectacular match in there. <laughs> you really? There, there, there's a good match, but there's not a spectacular match in there. Yeah, I can I can get behind that. Well, let's just move on to. Because I don't want to dwell on this show very much longer. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Best performer of the night? Mick Foley. It's Cactus, Cactus Jack. Jack. That, pro- that promo was just the best thing. I mean, who, who do you want to say? You, no, you, Sea of Hatred, man. The Sea of Hatred. I can't get over yeah. the tea bag and the Sea of Hatred. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard. How about most surprising? But the fucking War Games ended on a bear hug that was on for like yeah, 15 that's... seconds. Yeah, the that that Rick Rude won a belt that I didn't do a backflip over. You have these two guys who we know, you know, twenty eight years later, that as Stevie Ray and Booker T, Harlem Heat, they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. This is their debut pay per view match, and you have a dude job out in literally fifteen seconds to a bear hug it's a time issue for sure but it still happened that's the that's their own damn fault it is their own damn fault there was plenty of time wasted on this show mm-hmm. yes that even if the war games was five to like seven five to ten minutes longer and still ended on the bear hug at least it would have been a war games match and at least you could have worked over the guy yeah for any amount of time I mean, they probably didn't want Shockmaster to take any bumps because he sucks. Because he didn't take any bumps, by the way. Because he probably doesn't know what he yeah, says. Just walk he, into yeah. the ring and grab the, only the first guy ever, that you see and yeah. don't fall down. Yeah, the only bump he ever took was uh, when he was when he was introduced the first time. Yeah. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. <laughs> this week, the category is. What's in a name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name. What's in a name? Oh my goodness. I will give you the real name of a person. You give me their wrestler name. If you can give me the answer without multiple choice, it's five points. With multiple choice, three points. So the name I have for you this week is Lawrence Wendell Fold. Lawrence Wendell 
full, like F U L L. P F O H L. Shane? That would be one, Mr. Lex Luger. That is correct. Good on you. Would have never guessed it. So, Shane's five points. I got some points last week. You did get some points. But, I mean, you know, I'm still pretty far behind. Give me the the total. Total would be. I don't think we heard the total. Shane with. 39. Woo! Temple now with 21. It's my favorite number. But uh, unfortunately, it's not Maybe higher. If it had been 37, you'd have a few more points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next week, Halloween Havoc 1993. Oh my gosh, can we get a good Halloween Havoc? <laughs> have we ever had a good Halloween Havoc? I'm pretty sure that the. The last. I think the answer's no. I, I think that's true. I think that maybe the last one I was more positive on but i kind of feel like that typically in life i'm i am the heel but on this show which was the last one i'm trying to remember i don't know if it wasn't the last one it was the one before was it sting and vader at the last i don't think so you guys remember when it was sting and jake that wasn't the last one yeah it it? was oh okay wow i was thinking we had a whole other Halloween Havoc in between there, but I guess... No, didn't we have the one with Vader? Was that no, not that Halloween was... Havoc? The Ice Castle? No, that was... Forever? No, Va- or... that Vader, last Halloween Havoc, was when Vader substituted for Rick Rude. Oh, that's right. In the U.S. Championship match, mm. which was like, all right, cool. You guys remember when... And Rude and Chono had a match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ron Simmons was yeah, still the champion. Halloween Havoc was voted the worst pay-per-view of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, the coal miner's glove stipulation was 92. Yeah, it feels like it's been five years ago since we covered that show. You remember in 1992 when we had one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time between Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude at Beach Blast? I mean, maybe we'll have something as good as that on Halloween Havoc. I was hoping that I could get something like three-fourths of as good with Flair... And I mean, half as good as that would be better than anything that was on Fall Brawl. Half yes. of so, half as half as good as that is a great wrestling match because um, that is I take an Eric one Clark's of the greatest marathon over fucking Fall Brawl. Come on, you can't yeah, be that down on. That's on, how much I mean it. Oh so knowing that we're this craziness. down on Fall Brawl, <laughs> check it out. Hopefully, Halloween Havoc is a step up. Is it gonna take? Is it gonna take Pasta Mania? <laughs> to pull us out of this hole. We have to wait till Pasta Mania. <laughs> Music from this week's show is the theme from Frog Brawl. And the winner of War Games was the Shockmaster. So we'll play his music. The Imperial March. Herculean. Oh, ooh. It's not a Star Wars tune? No, it's not. A Star <laughs> <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. You can always email us with any questions, comments, concerns. Like, if you don't agree with our takes on Fall Brawl, if you really liked one of these matches, let us know. Yeah, tell me why. Change (laughs) our minds. We're open for suggestions. I mean, we're very open. I try to find the, you know... We always try and find the good. the, 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 The corn kernels in the turd that is professional wrestling. Exactly. You can also hit us up on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters.